served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly, shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious." So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. How we thank God for his holy word. Let's pray together. Our gracious, merciful, omnipotent Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us in revealing to us uh, yourself and what you require of us in your word. Uh, We pray that we would be blessed as we consider this passage before us, uh, that we would be strengthened uh, to love you and to love others well. Uh, Be honored now as we look unto the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has for us in this time together, and it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Together is our favorite place to be. This was the message on a framed piece of art that I had purchased for my wife, Becca, for Valentine's Day. Uh, And and it really is true. Uh, Together with Becca is my most absolute favorite place to be in all the world. Now, uh, just one quick aside here. As I was preparing the message for this evening, uh, and I thought about starting Uh, with those words, together is our favorite place to be, and talking about my wife, uh, I really was not necessarily thinking about scoring some uh, brownie points with my wife this evening, but uh, if uh, the Lord in his providence uh, works that out, that would be great uh, as well. Uh, But also what I did not necessarily know is that uh, two of my sisters-in-law would be with us in our worship time together, and... More importantly, my mother-in-law is with us in worship, and uh, again, did not think about in God's providence how he might use those words to bless my marriage relationship. So that aside being spoken, uh, again, uh, absolutely true. When when I came across uh, that uh, framed piece of art, in all places, Bucky's, I looked at that. Yeah, when Becca later saw the receipt, she said, Bucky's, Really? So, but really, when I, when I looked at that piece, I thought, boy, that really just describes well uh, the way that Becca and I feel about one another in our marriage relationship. But as you well know, pictures are interesting things, uh, are they not? Uh, there was a sense in which when I purchased that gift for Becca, I wrapped the gift and then gave it to her the evening of Valentine's. Uh, it was almost like my, uh, my heart and my mind 
had swelled with a new affection for my wife. You know, there is just something about a a work of art uh, that does that for us. Uh, At times, maybe affirming certain convictions that we have, maybe even increasing uh, those convictions. So really, as we think about the uh, passage before us this evening, I would really like us to think about it in uh, this way. Uh, That as we consider this uh, to be a a picture, uh, maybe uh, an image that is uh, in a frame, a work of art, uh, so to speak, that that, that we really think about it in those ways, knowing what works of art do, how they can call out some very strong emotions in our minds and hearts. Uh, Maybe at times uh, when we see a work of art, maybe it's a, a nostalgic thing. Uh, reminding us of memories from the past that are special to us. Maybe a work of art is that which uh, calls uh, to us to, to think deeply about life itself. And at times, maybe a work of art will, will call us to action. And that's, again, what I hope to see in our, our passes this evening. You'll notice that the title of the message this evening is A Picture of a Minister. And what I would like uh, for us to be able to do this evening as we look at this uh, picture of a minister to, uh, to be awed by its beauty, but then to allow that picture of a minister uh, to call us to action. Now, as we take a look at, at this picture of a minister, we're going to see uh, three things in this picture. Uh, we're going to see in this picture uh, a minister's joy. Uh, Second, we're going to see a minister's devotion. Uh, And then third, we're going to see a minister's concern. So let's, for a few moments, uh, then think about uh, the picture in this way, that it really shows to us a minister's joy. Now, I'm sure that you would agree with me that at times, uh, God's people, uh, especially God's ministers, can find joy in the strangest of places. Uh, Now, not so strange uh, is the joy that I find in my 21-month-old niece, Isla, when she can turn on her own sound machine before nap time, look up with this bright smile and clap her hands as if she's accomplished something amazing, right? There is just something that is just joyous about watching that happen, right? Nothing, nothing strange there. there. There's also really nothing strange as we take a look at the first part of our passage, uh, what Paul has to say in terms of where joy is found. Take a look, if you will, again at verse 19. Uh, it is Paul's desire under the providential leading of the Lord Jesus to send Timothy a beloved son in the faith, a devoted laborer on behalf of the gospel to the Philippian Christians. Notice, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. The idea is this, as uh, Timothy is currently with Paul in his imprisonment, uh, Paul's desire uh, to be able to send Timothy to the Philippian Christians Uh, that uh, he might continue to labor on their behalf in their growth in grace. And then upon Timothy's return back to Paul, Paul desires to hear news of the Philippian Christians, news that Paul is confident 
will be a source of cheer and joy for him. What is it that Paul expects to hear? Well, really, I would imagine that Paul expects to hear everything that we've seen up to this point in this letter. That Paul is confident that when Timothy returns, that Timothy will share the news of how they continue to partner with Paul in the advance of the gospel. How their love abounds more and more. How they continue to grow in knowledge and discernment. How they continue to to strive to be found pure and blameless as they wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus. That their lives are continuing to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That they're consistently living in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. That they are standing firm in one spirit. That they are striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That they are not frightened by any opposition. That they are humbly and selflessly serving one another. That they're working out their salvation with fear and trembling. That they're doing all things without grumbling or disputing. And that they're holding fast to the gospel. Surely this is Paul's confidence that these very things are still at work in the lives of these believers. And so there will be much cheer and enjoyment and encouragement when Timothy returns back to share with Paul the news of of how they are doing. So again, nothing quite strange about that. But notice what is maybe a little bit strange to us. Take a look, if you will, at the last phrase of verse 19. Paul writes, So that I too may be cheered by news of you. If we go back to uh, verses 17 and 18, uh, the uh, passage we heard last week, that's what Paul says in verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. This sounds a little strange, does it not? That it is within the pains and the travails and the challenges of ministry on behalf of the gospel. A minister offering his life as a sacrifice, that there is joy in that. So maybe here's what what we should do. Uh, Maybe the next time that you take a look at one of our ministers, uh, one of our teaching elders, one of our ruling elders, one of our deacons, maybe look at them and think, Wow, that's a, that's a strange individual. There, 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 there may be multiple reasons why these are strange individuals, but we can look at these individuals and think, this is a strange person. Because this is an individual who finds joy in being sacrificed for our well-being in the gospel. Indeed, the first picture we have is a picture of the minister's joy and a joy that is found sometimes in the strangest of places. Second, let's take a look, if we will, at the picture of a minister's devotion. Again, we understand that Paul desires to send Timothy to the Philippian Christians to be of encouragement uh, to them. Look at what Paul says about Timothy in verse 20, uh, that Timothy is incomparable. Paul says, I have no one like him. This is an individual who will be genuinely concerned about uh, their welfare uh, in both their knowledge of the gospel and their living lives in a manner worthy of that gospel. So we take a look at verse 21. Notice that Paul says that um, others really seek their own interest. 
not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy is different, though. Timothy is one who is led by the priorities of the Lord Jesus in seeking the welfare of those around him. Now, it really kind of strikes me as, as a little bit odd, because when first reading this, you would think, well, could Paul simply be saying what he's, what he's already said in chapter 2, verse 4? That we read, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others, right? So maybe what we're anticipating Paul saying is that Timothy is incomparable in this way. Uh, that out of all people that Paul knows, he is one who doesn't look to his own interest, but to the interest of others. But notice that that's not what Paul says here about Timothy. That while other people are looking out to their own interest, Paul is supremely concerned with the interest of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think when we take a look at our ministers, those who serve us in the gospel here at Redeemer, we, we recognize that the reason why our ministers are genuinely concerned for our spiritual well-being is because first and foremost, they are devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Notice verse 22 Paul says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Now, notice the encouragement this must have been to the Philippian Christians, that this one who is devoted to the spiritual well-being of those around him, including the Philippian Christians, he who is supremely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ in his work on behalf of the gospel, how encouraging it would be for them to hear that this Timothy will soon hopefully make a trip to them to spend time with them. And then, of course, even more encouraging, verse 24, uh, that Paul hopes himself to be able to make that same trip. About a week and a half ago, I uh, approached uh, our pastor, Jordan, and um, wanted to speak with him about a spiritual matter for uh, which I needed uh, his help. And you can probably relate uh, at times uh, to kind of the idea that when we approach uh, our ministers, uh, those who serve for our spiritual well-being, uh, almost as if we have to apologize, right? Because we know they're busy individuals. Uh, and it's not just my spiritual concerns uh, that uh, also are obviously are a priority for me, but uh, they have lots of individuals whose spiritual needs are a priority. So it's almost kind of this sense of, you know, I need to apologize that I'm asking uh, my pastor for some of his time uh, to be able to address this particular issue. Now, I thought that uh, Jordan's re response was, was somewhat interesting. His re response was something like this. He said, I'm not as busy as you would think. Now, in, in hindsight, in reflecting on that statement, I think all of us would agree that our pastor is incredibly busy. But if we were to read between the lines, you know, what I really think Jordan was saying was, was something like this. You know, I, I am busy, but I'm not too busy to be concerned about the needs of the members of this church family. That, in my mind, is the picture of a minister's devotion. I think that we really see that across the board with our teaching elders, with our ruling elders, with our deacons, that, that these are individuals that are genuinely devoted to the Lord Jesus, and as a result, they are genuinely devoted to us, finding joy in sacrificing their time, their efforts, sacrificing themselves for 
our growth in Christ and godliness. So we've seen a a picture of a a minister's joy. Uh, We've seen a picture of a minister's devotion. Uh, Third, let's take a look uh, at a picture of a minister's concern. Take another look, if you will, at verse 25. Because of the fact that uh, Timothy and Paul will be somewhat delayed in being able to make the trip to Philippi to spend with these believers. Paul uh, says here, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Now, when we take a look uh, at those uh, last couple of statements about who this Epaphroditus is, we will find out later uh, in this letter in chapter 4 that Epaphroditus was the one who was tasked with the opportunity uh, to take the offerings, uh, the donations that were collected uh, by the Philippian believers to take to Paul so that his needs would be supplied in his uh, imprisonment. Notice, uh, as we see in verse 26, that it's this this Epaphroditus, this one who has been sent uh, to Paul to minister uh, to his needs, that he now longs for his brothers and sisters in Philippi. One of the reasons he has been, or he longs for them, is what we read in the last half of verse 26, that he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Apparently, verse 27, this was a serious illness. Paul says, indeed, he was ill, even nearer to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So as Epaphroditus longs to once again be with his brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in Philippi, one of the reasons why he longs to be with them is because he is concerned for them. He knows that they know that he was seriously sick. He wants to alleviate any distress or or discomfort or anxiety that they might feel over his illness. So he wants to be with them again to alleviate their suffering. Notice that in God's providence, not only was Epaphroditus' life spared, but even Paul was spared as well too. Uh, not allowing Paul to experience the grief of an untimely death. So verse 28, Paul says, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Boy, do you you see that, that sense on the part of these ministers, on the part of our own ministers, this desire to rush to us, with comfort in the midst of anguish, distress, and discouragement. One of the things that I really appreciated about uh, last Sunday's visit from Legan Duncan was the opportunity that some of us had to be able to stay with him uh, for some lunch afterwards. Uh, And uh, as Jordan uh, entertained an interview with Legan as we talked through uh, several things. Uh, Legan had reminded us of the uh, pastoral ministry of one Samuel Rutherford, who in the middle 1630s uh, was forcibly removed from his pastorate in Anwath, Scotland. 
in his exile in Aberdeen, though he continued his pastoral ministry uh, to the members of his church family through his letter writing. Uh, These letters that Rutherford penned uh, uh, have become well-known as those which provide uh, sweet comfort uh, to souls who are experiencing misery and distress. And so one of those letters written to a lady, Ken Moore, Rutherford writes this. He says, and sure I am, it is better to be sick, providing Christ come to the bedside and draw aside the curtains and say, courage, I am thy salvation, than to enjoy health, being lusty and strong, and never to be visited of God. Talk about painting a picture that the Lord Jesus Christ standing at the bedside of this lady Courage, I am thy salvation. And then he goes on to say, you are now alone, but you may have for the seeking three always in your company, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I trust that they are near you. Do you hear the heart of a minister that longs in whatever way possible to come to the aid of those who are in distress those who are in grief, those who are in agony to alleviate their suffering. Again, what we see here in this passage is is an incredible, beautiful picture of what a minister is and what a minister does. I think as members here at Redeemer Presbyterian Church, we can find much encouragement and comfort that the picture that Paul paints for us of ministers here is exactly how we are being served here consistently and faithfully as a church family. That our ministers here find joy in giving of themselves sacrificially that we may continue to grow in Christ, in love for him, in love for one another. That our ministers here are supremely devoted to our Lord Jesus Christ, being interested in what the Lord is interested in so that they devotedly serve us and teach us and counsel us and guide us in the ancient paths and that they are supremely concerned for us that as they are able in the midst of times in which we are facing discouragement and discomfort, they rush to our aid to alleviate the difficulties and the challenges that we experience. I mentioned at the beginning of our time together that sometimes what a work of art will do is not only allow us to be awed by its beauty, but at times to call us to action. So what is the call to action as we see the picture of a minister that Paul provides us here? Well, I think we see our call to action in the last two verses, verses 29 and 30 of this passage. So here's what I would encourage us to do as uh, fellow members here at Redeemer as we uh, look at this beautiful picture of our ministers. That first of all, that we would look at them with great joy. Take a look at fuel at verse 29. Once Epaphroditus makes his trip back to Philippi. Paul says, receive him in the Lord with all joy. So I think that's where it starts for us. 
That when we look upon our ministers, when we look upon our elders, when we look upon our deacons, when we look upon those who serve us and our spiritual well-being, let's, let's look upon them with joy. When they come to us Sunday by Sunday to minister to our spiritual needs, let's look upon their ministry with great joy. Maybe at times when they come to us individually to counsel us, at times maybe to even correct and to rebuke us. Let us look upon their labor of love for us with joy. But notice a a, a second call uh, to action, that not only are we to receive our ministers with joy, but we are to honor such men. Again, describing Epaphroditus in verse 30. The reason why these believers were to receive him with joy, receive him with honor, is because of the fact that he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Boy, my brothers and sisters, as our, as our ministers, as they give themselves to Christ and give themselves to us on behalf of Christ, let's honor these men. Now, we can think about this in, in positive terms, right? That, that in our thoughts about our ministers, that we think about them with respect and esteem. As they have opportunities to greet us, to encourage us, to, to challenge us, that we receive their message to us with honor. But we also could flip it maybe to the negative side of things and be reminded of what we heard last Sunday in verse 14, where we read, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And maybe for some of us, that is where giving honor to our ministers begins, is to cease our grumbling and disputing towards them. Short times that there may be valid concerns for which we need to approach our ministers. But I would argue that even in approaching our ministers with those concerns, that we can approach them with joy, we can approach them with honor. You know, as we've seen this picture tonight of of a minister's joy found in the strangest of places, their devotion for our growth in Christ their concern in the midst of our sufferings. If we take just another step back and we look at this picture, I think what we would really see as well is a picture of the very life and the ministry of the three persons of the Trinity at work in the lives of these ministers. Notice, if you will, what we see Paul doing in these verses in terms of of his desire It is a sending desire, is it not? A sending of Timothy to the Philippian Christians, a sending of himself, a sending of Epaphroditus. And do we not get a hint of the sending of the Father, of the Son, sending his Son to be the Savior of the world? We've seen about Timothy That he is like a son serving with the father on behalf of the gospel. 
Do we not see here even a picture of the eternal Son of God who humbled himself, who took upon the nature of a servant, who was found obedient to death, even to death upon a cross for for our, our salvation? And Epaphroditus being sent to comfort the people of God. Do do we not see the work of the Holy Spirit about whom Jesus told his disciples, I will ask the Father, and I will give you another helper to be with you forever. So if that is what we see, and I believe, I'm convinced that that is what we see here, the very life and work of the Trinity in these ministers, how can we do anything else? but to receive them with joy and with honor. Let's pray together. Well, Father, how we thank you for the lives of these men recorded in your word for our encouragement. And Father, how we thank you for our ministers who serve in this place, who faithfully and devotedly minister to us your word, your gospel so that we might be convicted, so that we might be challenged, that we might grow, and that we might be comforted. Father, would your richest blessings be upon our ministers? Would your richest blessings be upon us as a church family as we respond to their labor of love among us? Be honored and glorified, we pray. In Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen.